Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Game Guys podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Tuesday, April the 5th. Hope everyone is doing well. Mailbag questions, lots to get to. Uh, First and foremost, thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the first segment of the podcast, the news and notes segment. Uh, Go see Matt if you're having IT issues. That is a uh, one-stop shop for a low price, uh, a very economical solution. Uh, to what can be very detrimental to your business. I mean, I, you know, I don't have internet issues now. I'll work out of the house and we pretty much have the, the Mac daddy package with all the streaming and everything that we do. Uh, but, um, you know, I used to work in the newspaper business and running like windows 98 in the early two thousands and shoot, that was a big problem. <laughs> so, uh, about 20 years ago, you know, and then it's frustrating. So give Matt a call, uh, you guys uh, that have businesses that depend on fast-running internet, as we all probably do these days. All right, national championship. Sunday night, the Gamecock women's basketball team captured their second. Uh, you know, I always think that the first one's the sweetest. You know, uh, you think back to the baseball titles, uh, 2011 was outstanding, sweeping Florida, going back-to-back. You know, the first game at uh, TD Ameritrade Park after closing out Rosenblatt the year before. Uh, that was sweet, but that first one beating UCLA, that was uh, that was something else. You know, of course, this program defeated Mississippi State back in 2017 to win out in Dallas. Uh, that was their first one. Uh, it's sweet. This one's a little sweeter, though. I, I, you know, something – and look, I don't talk women's basketball a whole lot because I don't want to show my – ignorance you know i do watch the games uh, especially the big ones i don't catch every game like i do with the men's team or baseball or football but uh i do watch it uh, you know some of the games quite frankly end up being just destructions <laughs> by this team and this program 35 and 2 this year uh but um 
you know, watched the tournament, watched every game of the tournament, thought, uh, you know, Carolina was dominant. Leah Boston, dominant player. I mean, you got a big like that that can play defense like that. That's something else. And because it's UConn, you know, I, I it's a little sweeter uh, for, for someone like me who I would call myself a casual fan. Um, you know, like I said, the first one's always awesome. Uh, you know, it's a breakthrough deal. But this one, uh, beating what has been the most dominant program in the sport for a long, long time, you know, since Tennessee – kind of fell off Pat Summit, retired, whatever, the late Pat Summit. Um, UConn's been very good. Now, they haven't won it in a while. I think we're going on six years, four years, five years uh, since they won it. They kept, kept getting upset in the semis. They made it back. This year, Gino Ariama was 11-0 and in title games, and he lost his first title game. Uh, and, and it was very much a game that was never in doubt. Carolina got up by 14 in the first quarter, ended up winning by 15. You know, UConn made some runs here and there, but you never really thought uh, the Gamecocks were in any danger of losing the basketball game. And that's sweet when that happens in a championship. Uh, Congrats to all of you that were there in Minneapolis. It was a uh, heck of a crowd, it seemed like, uh, for Carolina. And, um, you know, these things are are good moments for the athletics program, I think – you know, there are really four major sports uh, at South Carolina that, that get a lot of attention, and this is one of the programs that does. And, um, you know, I think men's soccer some will be back, and, we'll, we'll, you know, there's some support there too. Uh, and really, you know, I, and this is another thing, it's softball or golf or, or any of those uh, Gamecock sports. You want to be great in everything or most things, right? Uh, swimming, all that good stuff. But, uh Certainly, you know, baseball, football, and men's and women's basketball uh, are kind of the big four. You know, you, you get a lot of publicity for winning in those sports. Uh, everybody from uh, President Obama to Darius Rucker to Magic Johnson, whose sister played women's basketball at South Carolina, uh, all chimed in on social media uh, congratulating, congratulating Dawn Staley and uh, the team. Uh, and they are a powerhouse. And I, I think, you know, when you look at it and you look at the talent she has coming in and the talent, that, you know, that, that would leave or, or whatever, you know, there's a chance they can do this again next year and uh, on into the future. And that's the standard. And, you know, that's a standard that uh, has been set, you know, <laughs> national title or bust. But, you know, it, it was the fourth Final Four. Now they've won two. Um two brutal losses uh, by a point to Notre Dame. And uh, I think Stanford was a point or two points last year in San Antonio, but uh, just a great visual to see Aaliyah Boston, who's an outstanding individual uh, kind of epitomizes what a student athlete's all about uh, and the juxtaposition of last year and the tears uh, after the missed follow-up against Stanford. And then this year going out dominating uh, again, uh, one of the best programs in the history of the sport. This is like beating North Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky or uh, Duke or, you know, UCLA uh, in, uh, in on the men's side. Uh, and those of you out there know that. So congratulations uh, to Dawn Staley uh, and the Gamecock women for winning a national title. That's, uh, you know, I did some research 
you know, South Carolina baseball is obviously they're tied with baseball now for two national titles. Um, baseball won two. They've won two. Uh, women's basketball's played for it twice. Baseball's played for it six times. Uh, other national titles, 2002 women's track. As far as the NCAA goes, that's about it. Uh, in 93, the men's soccer team played for all the marbles, but lost to Virginia. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of equestrian national championships uh, that I came across today in my research, about six of them, uh, with different things. I, I don't – honestly, I, I'm just going to play dumb about that sport. Uh, it doesn't appear to be NCAA sanctioned, uh, but certainly the Gamecocks over the years, most recently in 2015 – I have won their share of equestrian titles as well. That's the horse and the jumping and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, so look, you know, and Will Gunner, a friend of mine on 107.5 The Game, tweets out, you know, hey, look, you know, the Gamecocks have now won multiple national titles in women's basketball and baseball. You know, there's no reason why Lamont Paris and Shane Beamer can't do it uh, in the two revenue sports, football and men's basketball. Uh I tend to think this. I think that it's tough in those two sports, uh, but it's tough everywhere. Um, you know, when you're in the SEC, uh, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, you know, football especially. And uh, you see the recruiting at other schools and you see the recruiting uh, in basketball at other schools. And, you know, the investment that, that programs have made in men's basketball. Uh, and it's a daunting task. Uh, that said – Big picture wise, I think Gunner's right. Uh, I, I think that when you look at it, uh, and I had a post on the bigspur.com last Sunday, uh, a week from two days ago, uh, that said, look, you know, everybody thinks because the last seven years have been brutal outside of the men's final four run. You know, you go to the final four in men's basketball, you can't get back. The Frank Martin era ends. You know, in football, there's the must champ era, which obviously started pretty well and then the bottom fell out. Uh, you have the Clemson situation in that sport, uh, which, you know, when your arch rivals playing for national titles and, and they go 10 and three and it's a down year and beat you 30 to nothing, that's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> uh, so I get it. There's been a lot of negativity. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of these people that's going to sit here and be like, don't stop being negative, stop being – no, you, you have a reason to be negative, a reason to be disappointed. Um I didn't even mention the baseball team getting losing two or three to Missouri and getting waxed in game three after blowing a lead on, on Saturday. I, you know, that what baffles me how this team can, you know, go. And I mean, you know, there's reasons why, I mean, there, there's the, the pitching injury situation is there. I don't know why they don't hit better. Um, they were supposed to be better at hitting this year. Uh, but look, I don't know that, uh, there won't be a change if things don't change for this baseball program. Baseball is a funny sport. And as I've said many times, I don't want to look like an idiot and sit here and say, yep, Kingston definitely needs to be fired. And then they, they run off like 17 win, game win streak. And, you know, kind of like they did his first year, they were sitting at like 20 and 17 and ended up a game from Omaha. Um, that team had 11 draft picks on it. Uh, I don't know that there are 11 on this team this year. You guys. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so that team probably – it was probably a situation where they were kind of feeling Kingston out, and then they turned it on at the end. Uh, I don't know that this team has that in it. 
Uh, I think it's a it's a team that has a lot of youth uh, and a lot of potential. And some of these young guys are having to play and taking their knocks, um, you know. But then, you know, whoever the coach is next year is probably going to have a pretty good team, which is a good thing, you know, a good thing. Hope for the future. But I, I think everybody's pretty sick of mediocre baseball seasons, you know. And and it started really last year in the regional. I mean, you know, you, you, the SEC was brutally good. Last year, Carolina held its own, you know, unfortunately for the Gamecocks, they uh, ended up having to uh, play all the top teams from the West last year. So they finished right there and, you know, and got a regional host somehow, but then you get to the regional and, and I've said this many times, you know, Carolina baseball is always judged on what you do at the end of the year. You know, you can handle a midweek loss or two. You can handle losing the Clemson series, but you know, once you get to the, the tournament, you know, it's go time. And you're sitting there post-COVID with a huge crowd at home and beat Virginia in the opener, and you got everything right there in front of you, and you just can't hit the ball and lose to Old Dominion and then unceremoniously get bounced by UVA the next day at home at Founders Park. Um, wasted opportunity uh, because Dallas Baptist upset TCU. Dallas Baptist was about to come to Columbia for a Super Regional, had the Gamecocks won, and – you know, you kind of like the Gamecocks' chances to get to Omaha with that pitching against uh, Dallas Baptist. Um, you know, if they could have just hit the ball. And the, the the struggles at the plate have continued this year, and it's a theme. And that's, you know, you remember when Mark Kingston was hired, it was all about, you know, Holbrook's team struggled to score. And it was all about, hey, this guy's going to light a fire uh, on the offense. Now, you know, in the SEC, you do face good pitching. It's unrealistic probably to – you know, to say uh, they need to score eight, nine runs a game. But th- this is borderline ridiculous. And losing to PC in the middle of the week uh, is embarrassing as well. And so that's uh, this program right now, as it stands on April 5th, 2022, is not living up to standard. And I think we can all appreciate that. Uh, more news and notes here. Uh, nothing on the men's basketball end of things, except uh, Citadel transfer Hayden Brown, who's from Burns, my school. Uh, Hayden Brown, I think is his name, hopefully. I didn't write it down like an idiot. But uh, he's supposed to make an official visit. He's got Pitt, Georgia – I know, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia Tech, and Carolina. Uh, My understanding is Carolina feels like they're in pretty good shape. Um, Kind of a score shooter, you know, doesn't have the best three-point field goal percentage. Uh, but a you know pretty good player uh, for Citadel, and I, I think he could help the Gamecocks. Don't know what role if he's a starter or what. Um, it's really <laughs> you really have to kind of look at it, and, and, and you're going to have to just wait to see who the starting five will be next year because you know everybody's a lot of guys have left. Uh, Taquan Woodley uh, joined Frank Martin at UMass, as did former Gamecock assistant Will Bailey. Uh, so Bailey's on Frank's coaching staff, and Woodley's going. He's originally from uh, Newark – or uh, not Newark, Camden, New Jersey, in the Philly area. Going to ride on up to UMass and, and play for Frank Martin. Um, don't know that he'll be the last one. Uh, Eric Stevenson uh, got out of Dodge, and uh, he's going to his fourth school now. Going to play for Bob Huggins at West Virginia. Uh, pretty good fit for him there at West Virginia in the Big 12. So we will keep you updated. Um, as far as assistant coaches go, I, I think – you know, and I said there was no Lamont Paris news. There actually is. Uh, I 
I would think that right now, as it stands, uh, two of his three coaches from Chattanooga are probably going to be assistants. And then there'll be a third. You know, he's targeted some guys uh, at the high major level with experience recruiting and things like that. So we'll ultimately see how it all goes. But, um, you know, so far so good uh, for Lamont Paris. I, and I'll tell you this, Lamont Paris is pretty interesting personality. He's very understated, very kind of humble and I don't want to say awkward, but he's, a, you know, he's kind of a little understated and stuff like that. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow him. He's, he's, he's his own guy, um, you know, and, and, and kind of see how he works uh, and all that. Don't think they're getting G.G. Jackson, um, especially if he commits in a week, but he's not reclassifying. So you never know what could happen there. Um, basketball players typically do not flip like football. Um, but also uh, Julian Phillips, the five-star uh, player from originally from Blythewood, spent senior year at a school in Branson, Missouri, of all places. And uh, he signed with LSU, got out of his letter of intent after Will Wade was fired, and is looking for a home. Gabe Kessler going to shoot the shot. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of confidence right now in getting him. I mean, Tennessee, Auburn – some of these other places uh, are probably higher up on his list, but you know, he may be open uh, to coming back. You just never, you never know what's going to happen. Um, so they're going to shoot the shot and we'll see kind of how everything plays out. He's a 2022 guy. So he would definitely be in this class and come in next year, probably would start uh, just to be honest, big six, a guy that can shoot. I mean, that's uh, you need those guys, right? Um, Football-wise, uh, a very nice pickup from the transfer portal for the Gamecocks. Corey Rucker, uh, wide receiver from Arkansas State, put up some huge numbers in certain games. Uh, he's from Yazoo City, Mississippi. So this is the second player joining Stone Blanton from the Magnolia State in this class for the Gamecocks. Uh, I think it's always good, you know, Mississippi, Louisiana – uh, Arkansas, maybe at times, Western Tennessee, uh, that part of the SEC footprint. You know, Carolina's picked some guys off over the, especially Western Tennessee, the Memphis area. And then, um, you know, Sedaris Hutcherson was from a small town in Western Tennessee. And, you know, you got to go back to DeAndre Island, I think, for actually Mississippi proper, although the Juco's in Mississippi, the Gamecocks have hit pretty hard. Um, but, you know, you, you got uh, Stone Blanton coming in from Madison and then Corey Rucker from Yazoo City. Uh, and I think what this does, guys, is this, you know, I, I feel you – know, I hate to do it and, and, and look at a unit and, you know, attach, uh, I guess, confidence to one player, you know. And, and I don't know that, that Corey Rucker alone – you know, gives you, you know, is, you know, oh gosh, you got to have him or whatever. And you do, you need him. Uh, but what this does, I think, is it, it gives you depth in case there's injuries. Uh, and you start looking at it now, Rucker can move. He's fast. Uh, Juice Wells, Antoine Wells, definitely fast. Amarian Brown is fast. Xavier Leggett is fast. Josh Van is fast. Jaheim Bell's fast. You got a lot of fast guys now. Uh, a receiver with legit speed. I mean, I'm talking fast, you know, and a lot of times uh, around here, uh, there hasn't always been that speed across the board 
at the receiver position. Uh, you know, I think the closest, and, and we probably didn't even realize this at the time, uh, but probably when you had Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith all at once, you know, those guys, uh, the combined speed uh, of those guys was, was probably pretty good. But, um, you know, this, 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 this bunch looks the part. You know, you had Rucker in there. He'll be here this summer. Uh, definitely looks the part. So, big pickup from the transfer portal uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, still waiting on two 2023 verbal commitments uh, to go public. That's that's lingered for a while, hasn't it? <laughs> but uh, all is pretty good. The first scrimmage was this past weekend. Um, you know, lots of talk. Oh, gosh, I can't even believe this. So Spencer Rattler throws a pick in the scrimmage. It looked like everybody's moving half speed, by the way, with the clip I saw. Mokaba with a nice play, but yeah, that that gets out and everybody starts wondering about the offense and stuff. And yeah, you know, I heard the defense got the best of the offense, uh, but the, the offensive line did make some progress. And you know, you just never know, you know. I, and I think that in most first scrimmages, the the defense should be ahead of the offense. And, and I'll tell you this: to tell you that as we move into the analysis segment of our podcast here. Um, uh, 2020, right? All you heard about in the preseason was the offense going up and down the field on the defense. And you saw what happened. I mean, the offense wasn't really all that good except Kevin Harris. And then the defense struggled mightily, as a lot of defenses did during that year. Uh, So I – you know, considering that's been really the only year, it, even 2014 when the defense was bad, um, considering what happened then and, and now, you know, you sort of you sort of look at it now and, you know, defense is out of the offense first scrimmage in spring great. You know, super. That, that's, that's on the schedule, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and then there's – nervousness about Marcus Satterfield as a play caller or whatever. I'm sharing that. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm going to give this a shot. And I hope that uh, everything I said about last year was just wrong. And it was more personnel than anything. I think certainly the personnel has improved, but uh, you know, we haven't gotten there yet, you know, (laughs) so we'll see. Um, What I do think fans should avoid is, you know, with, with Rattler and all these new faces and stuff and, you know, any kind of spring game. And, I know, look, I think the offense, they do the spring, they almost rig the spring game to where there is off, a lot of offense. Defense plays base. You know, they don't give anything away. Uh, that kind of thing. You know, what I do want to avoid is, you know, Spencer Rattler throws a couple of incompletions in the spring game. People start to freak out like they did about Luke Doty last year. You know, don't do it. It's a spring game. You know, you got to wait. Uh, until the Georgia State game, Arkansas, you know, Georgia, Charlotte, you know, four games. I mean, you got to give it some time. Um, you know, I, I anticipate the game. I mean, I don't think there's any reason why the Gamecocks can't be improved on offense this season. I mean, you have everybody back up front. You have, you know, and, and there's some competition up there, you know, now. Uh, you have Marshawn Lloyd back, five-star guy. Uh, you have Christian Beale Smith who came in, who's challenging him at running back. Rashad Amos is back. Juju McDowell's back. You know, I mentioned the receivers earlier at tight end. You know, Jaheim Bell's probably not a tight end. Um, 
all the time now. Uh, Marcus Satterfield actually said that he's a he's a wide back or whatever whatever they're calling Devo Samuel these days. Uh, but then you also have um, you know Austin Stogner coming in from Oklahoma. That's a really good player. You know, really good. Uh, in fact, I think twenty four seven Sports. I think it was Brad Crawford had you know the the top. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was my man Mike Farrell. Who recently left Rivals.com? He he put out his top tight ends in the country. I think Bell was third and Stogner was fifth. Uh, so you know, no matter how they use Bell, you know, you all you got Stogner sitting there, and I think that could be, you know, quite a duo. And then you you have a quarterback that obviously can throw the ball, and you have running backs that are pretty daggum good, and then you have uh, receivers. And I mean, shoot. I mean, you look at the personnel, I mean, there's really no reason why this offense can't make a massive leap forward. You know, they, he's got to do it, <laughs> you know. And so that's uh, that's my take there. But adding Rucker back to the Rucker thing, it, it, to me, that just gives you that one more, that, that the one more guy, you know, to where, okay, we, we've heard a lot of great things about Xavier Leggett, you know, this spring. Uh, sometimes you hear a lot of great things about a guy in the spring and then fall gets here and he's somewhat disappointing. You know, Amarian Brown obviously ended last year on a high note with his performance in the bowl game, but is he going to be able to come back and be consistent? Landon Sampson's coming in. I think he's going to play, but he's a true freshman. You know, Josh Van, uh, can he take it to that next level? You know, Juice Wells is a newcomer. I, I have a lot of confidence in him, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, we'll see sort of what happens there. Um, continuing on, and I want to tell you about Cindy Searfoss because she sponsors this segment of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. We love Cindy. Uh, and she's from Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate in the upstate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for over 35 years, and wants to help you with all your real estate needs. You can contact her at 864-414-5271. Or email her, C. Searfoss, C. S. C. A. R. F. O. S. S. at CBCane, C. B. C. A. I. N. E. dot com. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg on Daniel Morgan Avenue, Cindy uh, can help you navigate what is a very tricky and weird real estate market at this moment in time. Uh, I told you about my buddy in Spartanburg County, uh, had only been in his house two years, sold it for about a six figure profit. So that tells you something. Uh, it is a seller's market right now, uh, but Cindy can also help you find the deals uh, on a new home. Uh, if you go to sell yours, maybe you do turn a little profit on that, right? Everybody likes money, especially these days with things being so expensive. Uh, so contact Cindy again, 864-414-5271. Please tell her JC from the Inside of the Gamecocks podcast sent you. Uh, all right, so a couple of things. Uh, I talked about the Board of Trustees uh, quite a bit on a Saturday segment. If you haven't listened to that, feel free to go back and check it out. My understanding is, uh, again, there's some legislation that's going to be introduced maybe as soon as today as far as restructuring the board, uh, shrinking the size, getting them out of athletics, micromanaging, new members, fresh blood, fresh faces, you know, and I got some blowback on this. And very few people have really brushed back on me about this because I've been pretty adamant that there's certain members that need to be just out, you know, just gone. Time for somebody new. 
Um, and you know, I, I want to just tell you this guys, I, I didn't just arrive at this opinion lightly. Uh, I've told you, you know, I believe most of the people on the board of trustees have the best intent, their best intentions, uh, have the best intentions, love the Gamecocks. Uh, I think a lot of our passionate fans and, uh, anytime you get fans, uh, in a place, as I know from running a message board and seeing all you happy faces on social media, you're going to get 15 different opinions about everything. Cause that's just kind of how it goes. Um, you know, but, but you sort of look at it and, what finally did it for me, and why I'm so adamant about this, and you can get this video, it's public record uh, from the South Carolina State House, the hearing last Monday. The answers that these guys gave were just totally unacceptable, you know, and about the alienation of boosters uh, on the academic side, um, the, uh, the athletics. Thing. I mean, there were no good answers. Uh, I mean, they almost just were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't need to do, do buyouts. <sighs> what? You know, and, and maybe they were just, you know, mad at Ray Tanner for the snafu on the Muschamp contract. I think that's fair criticism. I don't think there was any reason for Muschamp to go to six after a seven and six season uh, back in 2018. You know, there were maybe some rumors about him going to LSU, but uh, – you know, that's probably that's that that those are rumors. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, the six year deal, I mean, I, you know, but look, that's the buyout was still going to be rather large. I, I don't think Frank Barton's buyout is egregious at all. And it wasn't last year when everybody was raising hell about it. Uh, I understand Mark Kingston's buyout is up, up there, and it went down after April 1st. Uh, but that's kind of standard. I think with what he makes, it's what two years worth. I think it'd be 1.5, 1.6 right now. That's two years salary. I mean, you're not paying five right there. Lamont Paris certainly does not have an egregious buyout at all. And, uh, so, uh, you know, when you heard them talk about it, it was almost like they didn't understand. And, you know, you, you, again, I'll, I'll point out the fact you're in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, athletically, you are trying to innovate and move forward, regardless of what you think about who the athletic director is. That's not what this is about. Um, you, you have to spend money to do that. And, and you can't hamstring uh, whoever your athletic director is to try to, you know, go out there and compete for the best coaches and make hires by saying no buyouts to South Carolina. Do you know how, I mean, you, you want to talk about every agent in the country, not picking up the phone when you call <laughs> that, that's going to happen because it's just standard. Now, look, do, do I think some of this stuff's way out of whack? Yeah. I mean, look at the Jimbo Fisher contract at Texas A&M. I mean, man, he, he <laughs> there's no buyout if he leaves. Right, so you're not binding him to the school, but if he gets fired, eighty million—that's unbelievable. You know, A&M's got that kind of money to cash to kick around, obviously. But uh, you know, I, to me, I, you know, so am I a fan of a, of a bunch of buyouts? No, I'm, I'm not. I, you know, I think that you know, agents and coaching contracts and stuff like that. I, I don't want to say out of control, but. They're rather large, folks, rather large. (laughs) 
and they're always skewed towards the coach. And it, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, Scott Woodward at LSU, best AD, I think, in the country for making splash hires and, um, you know, running his departments well. Uh, you know, even he had to give McMahon from Murray State a bunch of guaranteed uh, years because they're on probation. It's going to take them a while to get going. So, uh, you know, it's just how it is. And uh, I thought those board members, all of their answers were egregiously bad for the most part. Defensive, uh, out of touch, clueless. I mean, you could, you could go on and on. And it's not just athletics. I mean, you know, when you have a search for a president – regardless of your politics or, or whatever. And, and, and the Caslin thing goes down the way it did. Right. Uh, and that was bad enough because you had egregious political interference with that process. So then, you know, Caslin does what he does and flames out or whatever. And then you have a second presidential search where you have people pulling out left and right. Um, and you finally go with a guy that's been here, which is fine. Uh, but then along the way, you know, you, you alienate one of your top academic boosters who says, uh, I'm just going to hold on to my 20 million. I mean, that's a lot of money, uh, to have ego and, and, and slights and, uh, you know, alienation, if you will play a factor. Now there's no place for that. I mean, you, you know, you, you're, if you're on the board of trustees, you have a sacred duty to do what's best for the university of South Carolina uh, in all instances, not what's best for you. Uh, not what's best for you and your buddies on the board. It, it's about what's best for the university of South Carolina. So there's no planet uh, where you, you need to alienate a, a, someone that gives that much money, you know, especially uh, my understanding is it wasn't like she was rocking the boat. You know, maybe she was, but I think you, you got to take it. It's not to mention Darla Moore, <laughs> uh, who's one of the biggest uh, advocates for the university, uh, uh, benefactors uh, in the history of the school. Uh, it's not to mention she's alienated right now and wrote a big, long letter about how embarrassed she was. <laughs> you know, and that's just on the academic side, folks. That's not uh, those two individuals that have been alienated. I don't know that athletics is even on their radar. Right. Uh, you know, the athletics boosters of our actually, you know, some of the best boosters in the country, as far as like the people that get a lot of money, uh, they're not on the board of trustees, not all. I mean, there, there's, there's a couple that give quite a bit on the board, but uh, you know, so, so that's my thing. You know, I got some blowback, you know, from one, poster that I hadn't never heard of him before individually. And I went right back at him. Um, and, you know, the points he brought up were, Oh, this person's lying. How do you know this? Your opinion doesn't matter. Uh, and I wanted to clarify that it's not my opinion. It's not, I'm not just like pulling this out. Oh, okay. They need change. And let's do this. This is based on, you know, what I saw with my own eyes during the hearing, uh, a track record of incompetence, Right and alienation and in any organization when you have a group of people or one or two people that alienate important people uh your organization is going to be dysfunctional uh i'm talking about two dysfunctional presidential searches 
Um, and the second one was not as bad as the Caslin one because there was no political interference, but they did strike out. And, you know, I don't want to tell you why they struck out, you know, this, <laughs> this. And um, a lot of folks that want Ray Tanner out as athletic director would like for the university to go hire somebody like a Tom Jurich, who used to be in Louisville, like a, a, an athletic director with a long track record, right? And uh, nobody's going to come <laughs> if, they, if they, you know, 22 bosses, you know, they're just not going to come. And, and largely after the Lamont Paris search, there was a lot of feedback, you know, about these, the board of trustees. And, um, and look, I, I've always heard that the board was an issue. I know that at different spots, you know, some members of the board have been an issue, but not a lot. I mean, uh, you know, Hyman kind of fought his battles with them. They overturned McGee at least in one coaching search I can remember. But it's not been, uh, you know, you've always heard about this being like a dysfunctional body. Uh, I don't know that it's always been that way, you know. And um, I, I don't – I think if they were totally out to lunch, you, know, you wouldn't see some of the facilities being built and all that good stuff. Uh, but this group now, the Dorn Smith-led group, uh, in my opinion, has to has to be remapped and go. I mean, it's just there's just too many things. You know, if it were one thing, uh, you know, even if it were just they meddle in athletics, you know, that's probably a fix with the universe, with the new president. You, you just tell him, hey, butt out. Uh, I'm handling. I'm managing the AD. And the AD is managing athletics, and that's that. I mean, I guess it's easier said than done, but it's a combination of everything combination of everything so i uh you know that's why i'm at where i'm at and just like all of you i'm what's what's best for south carolina and what's best for the gamecocks and the academic and the university uh, all that uh because quite frankly i thought we were past all this you know as a kid when the holderman situation happened and uh, all that good stuff and king dixon's tenure as ad and, and things like that and it you know, I, I finally felt like around 2000 and then during the Hyman era, you know, the, the, the athletic department sort of came into the 21st century in a lot of ways. You look at the academic buildings they've been building and, and the progress around campus uh, from when I was there in 99, 2000 till now, I mean, it's unrecognizable. I mean, University of South Carolina, they built a lot athletically and academically. Now they've spent money, uh, and I get that. And uh, I, I do think that higher education in general does spend a lot, and I think that's why you don't need to alienate your your uh, your donors because <laughs> you need money, right? You know, uh, so that's why I won't change on that. And I'm going to talk about this for a second too. Uh, the the because I, I got accused uh, of being woke. Right. I guess that's a that's a term right there. Wokeness. Um, and I'll just tell you that anybody that says that about me doesn't know me very well <laughs> at all, uh, because, you know, the, the women's basketball team before Louisville, they don't come out for the national anthem. Uh, some, uh, I guess, below average unprofessional journalist out there writes an article quoting Dawn Staley from like 2020 about protesting 
everybody just assumes it's a protest. It gets on Fox News. It gets, uh, I guess, Business Insider was the first to report it. I mean, this stuff gets everywhere. You know, it goes viral, and it's inaccurate. And so, you know, those of you that believed it was a protest and disrespectful and all that, you know, and there were a lot of people upset about it on the message board. I mean, we shut, we, we, we were told, hold the phone on this. It was a logistical issue, and here's why, and this is what happened. Um, and so we kind of shut down discussion because people were just accepting this bogus BS article that, you know, escaped the facts uh, as, as fact, and it wasn't factual. There was some question about it. And you can't, you know, nobody's going to go talk to Dawn Staley about this before she's coaching in a national championship game. And she addressed it afterward and said, no, it was logistical. And, you know, the Gamecocks were out there for the national anthem uh, before the championship game with UConn. Uh, and so it was a nothing burger. And uh, unfortunately, you know, whereas legitimate media outlets like the Big Spur and others in the state and, uh, they've they've gone out there and set the record straight. There are some, especially some out there that that aren't on the big spur that are just on Facebook or wherever, just upset as hell at Dawn Staley about disrespecting the flag and the anthem and all that. Um, and and that's just not current, you know that that's not a current thing uh, at all, you know. And and in college football. You know, they don't come out for the anthem because of logistical reasons in their pregame routine. And, you know, that's kind of what happened to Don Staley. You know, I don't know why Louisville goes out there and, you know, they're they're on a different schedule, obviously. But uh, – and I'll say this, uh, you know, if it were a protest, um, then um, – you know, she's open for criticism because <laughs> you have a right to protest in this country. Uh, I support that 100%, but I also uh, support, you know, if you go protest something and there's another side to the story, that other side deserves to uh, be heard as well, in my opinion. Now, there's certain topics that, you know, I don't think the other side really has a point, but this is one where, yeah, I mean, it is a debate. And so I would not have shut discussion down. Neither would have John Whittle uh, on that. Uh, had a, there not been a question about the facts, you know, because in something like that, you got to get your facts straight. You know, you, you accuse somebody of being unpatriotic or not loving the country. You need to make sure that's the case or, or whatever. Now, you know, you want to go back in time and see when they, you know, whatever they've done before, that's fine. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that that's fine. I mean, but that was not the current situation. And so uh, I just wanted to point that out on that. So it's a two kind of, you know, political topics there. I don't, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but they, I guess they're loosely political, but they have a lot to do with Gamecock athletics. So, you know, we'll go from there. Um, all right, so mailbag time. And uh, thank you for all your mailbag questions. I really appreciate that. And our mailbag, as always, 
is brought to you by iHelp Consulting. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. And whether you may be paid too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHelp can help find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save you any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my buddy, Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? So there's two ways to get into the mailbag. One is to tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please go follow that on Twitter, that account. Also follow us on the Instagram inside the Gamecocks. Gamecock Fan 3 is first up from the tweeter. Tweeter. Uh, JC, am I crazy? Or do we really have quality depth at the receiver pass catcher position? Van, Rucker, Wells, Bell, Stogner, Joyner, Brown, Leggett, Jenkins, Plus younger guys, yeah, Samson almost feels weird. Yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I think, you know, with Rucker coming in, that that's really kind of the last piece. You know, I was just I was just very comfortable with them if they got another one. You know, another older guy, you're not counting on freshmen, you know, because there, there could be some injuries and all this good stuff. Um, you know, uh, and, and you need as many as you can get. Also, there's competition to get on the field. Uh, you know, you don't have one guy out there that's, you know, the guy that's never going to get benched and all that good stuff. So, I uh, definitely, um, definitely think that's a good uh, extra piece to add. Uh, and if a lot of these guys live up to their potential and they run the offense the right way, you get a good year play calling and a quarterback blocking up front. Um, Gamecocks could have uh, quite a resurgent passing game, uh, I think, uh, in 2022. The, the, the staff has done a tremendous job with the portal to plug holes and, and add depth and really revamp that side of the ball. I mean, just to be honest, you know, you look, they, they need a tight end, they got a tight end, they got a couple of receivers, they got a running back, two running backs actually from the portal. They got a quarterback, obviously, and Spencer Rattler. So this, this is going to kind of be a, a case study of, of what can the portal do for you in a year. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, yeah, and I think getting Rucker right there at the end is good. I think, uh, and he's got some years left to play too. So he's probably not a one and done guy, um, you know, and that helps for twenty twenty three as well. So uh, I, I do think they have depth and. Um, we will see sort of how everything plays out, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you want to be cautiously optimistic on things like this. But, uh, heck, yeah, and you look at them, all these guys can run, too. They're fast. And that's that's good. That's a good deal. I mentioned that earlier. Thanks, Gamecock Fan 3. We continue on. To Derek. Hi, JC. Since 71, the Yardcocks have had one losing season. Kingston finished exactly 500 in 2019. There's one game under this year. I'm no fortune teller. But hopefully this season can get moving in the right direction. That's the hope, but I don't see any signs of it right now. Uh, Is this still a premier job? Uh, Yeah. All right. So 
mean, and I'll explain this, and this is odd to find it, and people can agree, disagree, whatever. I think you have team, you know, like like right now, Tennessee this year in baseball has a really good team. It's a great team, actually. I mean, they're dominant right now. Uh, and then you have program, and, you know, I'll use Tennessee as an example again as, you know, a program that is now better than it was. You know, still, would you say uh, they got a better program there than they do at Carolina or Mississippi State? I don't know. I don't think that. LSU, name your baseball power. Uh, but they could get there. Uh, and then there's job. And that's, a, that's, the, that's sort of a throw the records out kind of situation. Uh, job is always based on potential. I mean, you know, in, in basketball, men's basketball at Carolina, in other words, that is not a great job. And it's not – It's not, and the Final Four did not change that. And really multiple NCAA tournaments wouldn't have changed it either. It's a tough job. You know, football is a better job than people give it credit for, but it's more of a top 25 job than a top 15 job because it's hard. You're surrounded by, you know, great – uh, programs that, that have better history and all that, but South Carolina does have some things that make make it a better job than people believe. Baseball is still a premier job. Yeah, nothing's going to change that for a while. I mean, as long as you still have the location uh, where you're located in a place with a lot of baseball talent, uh, you still have the SEC, which is the premier baseball um conference in the country and you you still have a really nice facility you know uh, arkansas mississippi states places like that they've you know they've spruced up their ballpark a little bit and i'm sure founders park may may get a facelift here pretty soon but still a hell of a ballpark and you get fan support and that's a lot of what makes a job you know i mean that's why tennessee probably wasn't that great of a job when their guy took over because uh you know they, they don't get the support for that sport like they do at places like Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, LSU, uh, you name it, Ole Miss. Um, you know, so, yeah, it, it, losing doesn't – losing has nothing to do. I mean, you, you've got to start losing and then de- almost lose and then, you know, I mean, it, it took the Carolina basketball job almost 40 years to not become a good job. <laughs> You know, just because of the McGuire era and, and people cared. Um, you know, so it takes a long time uh, of decay and this, that, and the other to say, ah, this is not a premier job. Uh, it is. Uh, and, and I, you know, I'm always surprised when there's a coaching change, right, as far as the ability to attract a good coach. Um, was not surprised with the last football search and how it turned out. Uh, Cause I think, you know, the guys that were in the mix for the job all could have been hired and they went with Beamer and that's that uh, basketball search, you know, the Sean Miller thing got everybody excited because it was kind of a, an echo of the past where, you know, you go out and get a big name guy. And so I get the people were let down by that. And then the search was a fiasco. I mean, publicly, it just played out terribly. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to sit here and go, well, get rid of Kingston. And they're going to easily go be able to hire a great coach and turn it around. 
because uh, I've been surprised before. Now, based on things I've heard, <laughs> uh, I think it's a one phone call, two phone call thing. Honest to God, I mean, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, this is going to be a difficult hire for anybody. Um, and, and, and there's the people out there that want to, Ray Tanner should not be allowed to hire. Well, you're going to run into this where, you know, there's not time to, you know, all right, there's a new president coming in, right? There's going to be upheaval on the board of trustees. Um, and there's just not time, you know, with the end of the baseball season where you have to make a move uh, to make that kind of change. I just, there's just not. And so, you know, you have to just say, hey, look, now, and I don't know, even though, you know, maybe Harris Pestiti says this to Ray Tanner, I, I would just say, look, no meandering searches where you interview 15 different people. And not that he's ever interviewed 15 different people, but, you know, just make the phone call and get it done. Who's your top guy? Make the phone call, get it done. And if it's not, you know, if it's not a no-brainer top guy, why is it not? And uh, and I think, I think Ray can handle that one. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's going to be my thing. I think Ray can handle this baseball search, and then you know we'll see what happens as the different uh, as the other pieces get put in place. You know, you, you you can't with everything else sort of up in the air and with upheaval and, and transition. You know, you can't just fire the AD. Who, who's making that hire? You know, who, who, what's going on? I mean, you know, so I – and I kind of think all this stuff will take care of itself during the summer. Uh, unfortunately, you know, for those of you that are totally against Tanner making another hire, it's probably going to it's probably going to make another hire, you know, just because of the timing. And, you know, there's no excuse for him not to make a great hire in baseball. None. Zero. You know, and, you know, he's 0 for 2 right now. Uh, I don't think – any athletic director in the country was not going to hire Chad Holbrook. So I'm not, you know, I'm not really holding that against him, but really Kingston's just not working out and really hasn't. I mean, you have a historically bad year in 2019. Okay. That's fine. Kind of ran up against it with your roster. That's fine. Uh, but you got to rebound and be consistently good because that's what this program is all about. I mean, is consistency. Consistency that was established under Ray Tanner, you know, and and you know, there's going to be years sometimes they don't make the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just part of it. But you know, you can't can't have this up and down stuff because uh, you do that in this league. You're going to get in, in most sports. You're going to get left behind. Maybe not in men's basketball since everybody's kind of up and down anyway. But you can see some separation, guys. You can see Arkansas consistently good. Auburn's consistently good. Alabama's consistently good. Texas A&M is going to end up being a monster, you know, Tennessee. So maybe that's changing in that sport, but in baseball, you know, there's no excuse uh, for South Carolina to not be uh, much better than it is. And so that's, uh, you know, that's the thing there, but it is still a premier job. Remember team, program job three separate categories thomas hey jc why are there so many people that act like usc is broke i was arguing with someone who used the borrowed money from covid as as an excuse can you articulate why that loan doesn't mean we're bankrupt as a university yeah 
Thomas, whoever said that really doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, every athletic department in the country had to do, you know, make some provisions <laughs> during the COVID year because, you know, you, you have TV money that comes in. And thank God they had a season and the TV money was there. I mean, it was basically a, a made-for-TV season because there weren't crowds. Uh, but all the revenue you get from game day operate, I mean, there's a reason they sell concessions. And, there, and there's a reason, you know, you pay a seating license. I mean, it's all that generates revenue. And football, and then to a lesser extent, men's basketball, you know, just getting axed and, you know, you can't have that many people in, in the stands. And then you also take a hit on at this school and baseball tickets and women's basketball crowds and everything else. I mean, you know, everybody had a shortfall. Um, and the, the problem is, and, and, you know, one thing about the the committee hearing uh, with Dick Arpooley and the other day was, was Dick was wrong. Uh, he kind of spun it to where, you know, taxpayer money, university money was being uh, used to pay a buyout. And that's just not, I mean, you could probably sit there and, and say, if you use like a transitive property, well, you got money for this, but then you use this money for that and then that money for that, you know, trickle down or whatever. But that just, that's just not the case. Um, and, uh, you know, Carolina Athletics, they also got every SEC school got $23 million from the conference to make it up. Uh, there was a $700,000 deficit fiscal year – gosh, 2019 when the pandemic first hit. Uh, and then Carolina Athletics made money again. <laughs> uh, fiscal year 2020, $140 million, I think, uh, or made $5 million over uh, 136 and 140 I think. Or maybe it was 130 135 something like that. But no, you're not bankrupt as a university. I, I, I think it's unwise uh, to alienate Kennedy and more on the academic end, <laughs> I mean, you know, those are the people that care enough about your university to put millions of dollars into it. Uh, I think that's stupid. Uh, but, you know, in athletics, no, I mean, not only uh, is South Carolina not broke, there, there's a lot ahead with uh, the new TV deal. Oklahoma and Texas are coming in the SEC. That's going to enlarge the pie. Uh, Disney has taken over the CBS game of the week and paying a premium price for it. That's going to enlarge the pie. I mean, you know, there's no hurting for money at South Carolina. Uh, I think uh, there was some inaccurate information out on Twitter. This is another inaccurate thing. Some uh, A Missouri blogger decided to, uh, I guess, look at Form 990s uh, and I don't know what the hell he was looking at, uh, but it ended up having Missouri is like one of the biggest uh, booster clubs or, or, or donators of money in athletics in the SEC. It was in like Florida and South Carolina were the last two. And, you know, say what you want about South Carolina and the Gamecock Club and all that. I mean, it, and the number for Carolina was like $10.8 million And, so we looked at the the Knight Foundation, which tracks all this stuff, and it was it was more like twenty something. Um, and I guess it's just kind of accounting and 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 what the different forms they use for different things, and you know, state law governs that sometimes. Uh, you know, just the way you account uh, 
uh, governs what, what that guy was doing. He didn't even find four of them for the SEC. But, you know, of course, Gamecock fans panic because I think, number one, everybody's looking to blame Ray Tanner for something, you know, these days. And so that that was probably the motivation with Gamecock fans saying, oh, look, look, we're struggling for money. Um, and, of course, it was just inaccurate, you know. And, and if you don't want to believe me about, you know, you can look that up first and foremost on, on the Knight Foundation. If you don't want to believe me or you believe things are bad and whatever, um, understand that, you know, Florida has a very, very large uh, group of boosters and it's a bigger school than Carolina and he has more alums because it's a bigger state uh, and they have a lot of people giving and and Florida did not have half of the booster donations that Missouri or Ole Miss I promise you <laughs> and so people 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 latched onto that stupid tweet and, and I'm like man you know so you got yeah, this lady that, uh, you know, wants to use quotes from 2020 on Dawn Staley to make her look like, you know, p- to put something out there during a national championship that isn't there. Uh, and then you have this person tweeting and, and has incomplete information. And, you know, I don't even know where the hell he got his, uh, the 990s from and, and has no context and just tweets it out and makes it look like the university's broke. And that's not true. And then Dick Harpulian. You know, and then some of the board members, you know, these buyouts are killing the university. How so? How so? Athletics is making money. Yes, you had a COVID year. Everybody in the country did. You know, and and now it's back to making money. It's an economic engine. How is it killing the university? What's killing the university is alienating your multi-million dollar donors. That's killing the university. Embarrassing presidential searches, that's killing the university. Meddling in athletics, that's killing the university. Not buyouts, which are the price of doing business in the Southeastern Conference. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate that. Uh, Mike, and Mike uh, Mike tweeted to me personally, but we're going to do this right here. Speaking of change, if there were a change in the baseball coaching position, do you know of a Power 5 school head coach that would consider South Carolina? Yes or no answer, no names. I'm going to say yes. Yes. Absolutely. I also will say this. I think um, I think there's some damn good choices from the mid-major range, too. Uh, if I'm Ray Tanner, I'm looking at the Power 5 level first. But uh, I do think you know, and, and Scott Jackson from Liberty, uh, pretty good coach. You know, Goodwin from Godwin from East Carolina, pretty good coach. You know, and, uh, you know, those guys would be logical candidates. Not, I haven't heard anything about them being. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of people that know a lot of baseball that love Scott Jackson and from Liberty. So I, mean, I don't even know if Liberty's still a mid major because I mean, they're an independent. I, I don't know. I would, I would say they are. Uh, and I would say that my preference would be preference would be for them to go hire a you know big time power five level proven winner. <laughs> they could get some excitement, you know, and all that good stuff. All right, the second way to get into the mailbag is inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. And George says, 
You stated on the site there was no clear proof that the absence of the women's team during the anthem was a form of protest. I hope it wasn't. In my gut, I just don't feel like it was anything else for the past two seasons. Dawn has worn shirts with social justice logos and slogans more often than she's worn anything with a Gamecock logo. Nothing will ever be said about it because of who she is, and the media backlash would be unbearable. just seems like a protest during the anthem would not be too far out of character. Do you think the matter of the team being in the locker room during the anthem will be addressed? Yes, they did address it. This George, I realize this email is coming in on Saturday, uh, Saturday night. And um, yeah, but it wasn't, it was a logistical issue. Now, as far as, you know, social justice things and things she wears and a lot of it is not, from what I can tell, not, not social justice. It's more just like pro women's basketball. You know, and she is a big advocate for the sport. Uh, I thought it was interesting, her and the coach from Stanford and, and Gino and, and those guys, when they ask them about the TV contract, I, I thought it was interesting that they want uh, the conferences to seek, you know, their own deal for the sport because women's basketball gets lumped in with baseball and everything besides men's basketball and football. Uh, and it's kind of a one one shot deal, and uh, I think that you know that idea of uh, maybe getting market value for women's basketball, assuming you know that market value is there for TV, and it's getting there. You know, um, big number, uh, and this is coming from Austin Carp, who's from the Sports Business Journal. Uh, big number for South Carolina's win over UConn in Sunday night's basketball championship. Mega cast averaged 4.68 million viewers, the best for a women's title game since 5.58 in 2004 for UConn, Tennessee, and up 15% from last year. Uh, yeah, you know, and I think too, South Carolina, UConn have probably, I mean, shoot, they, the SEC network broadcast live from Columbia a few years ago when they had this game. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of the new UConn, Tennessee. Um, now, I'll say this. So, so back to the TV thing, you know, I think in pushing for that, you, uh, you certainly, you know, have a reason to be over-the-top promotional of your sport. And I, I think that's a lot of what she wears uh, that may be interpreted as woke or social justice. I'm not saying she's never worn – anything uh that's social justice oriented uh and, and look as far as like what she wears on the sidelines uh the lady is a multi-millionaire and if she wants to go buy uh gucci stuff and uh louis vuitton and, and wear that on the sideline great i mean nobody's sitting there attacking calipari for wearing a what a ten thousand dollar suit on the sidelines which is what a lot of men's coaches do um, so what's the difference? To me, there, there's not a lot um, of stuff. And, and, you know, look, Dawn Staley, if you want to get an idea about, you know, her passion for the University of South Carolina, um, which may get overshadowed sometimes by her passion for the women's basketball game in general, uh, the sport in general, uh, I would go and, and listen to her talk uh, at the celebration, uh, the welcome home celebration, and, and what she said about Lamont Paris, and you know, 
how he she hopes that that he brings a title back. I would look at her support she's had for other sports. I mean, I've seen her personally out at pro day at football and things. Um, you know, it, it's not you know, and she's she's an individual too that. You know, as the Olympic coach, as a former Olympian, as one of the names that's synonymous with her sport, you know, she doesn't have to do all that, you know, but uh, that's it there. Uh, but yeah, George, you know, like I said, we confirmed it. And like I said, for the very narrow aspect of what happened in Minneapolis, you know, that was not a protest. Um, and I get it. I get it. And if it was, you know, heck, I, you know, I have my opinions on that. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think that we live in the greatest country on earth. Uh, I understand that there are some people whose experience in this country has not been good. And, and I'm not going to try to even relate to that, but I do think that at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people that, that look around the world, um, should really, uh, should really think about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> should really think about it, you know, and think about uh, how blessed we are here. Uh, but that's just my personal take. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with, with anybody doing anything. I just, uh, I just, uh, I thought there was a lot of misunderstanding uh, about it. And then in today's world, you know, we're always looking uh, to, on both sides to be, critical uh, of that and to drag that narrative into everything. And I just thought because it was not factual that, you know, I needed to kind of squash it. And so did John Whittle. And that's what we were going to do. I mean, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry if that offended anybody, certainly not, uh, certainly not pro anthem protest or anything like that. You know, I'm pro free speech, you know, people can do what they want, but, you know, there was no uh, no ulterior motive there other than, hey, this isn't factual. Dawn's not going to address this before the game. You know, the message board's blowing up with it. You know, people – and look, when it goes from, you know, protesting and politics, regular politics, and it goes into, like, race, you know, we don't allow discussions about race on our message board. And, and here's why. Because – it's far too important of a topic, I think, uh, for the written word. In other words, and this includes people that write columns on the subject. This includes reporting that's slanted. This includes, you know, uh, everybody, you know, and, and really it's too important for the one-way spoken word like I'm doing now. It's too important of a conversation, and so much gets lost when, when, you, when you're writing. I mean, like the difference between text messaging and having a conversation you know, I got a friend right now that, God, he's going through a tough time, and I read his text messages, just want to cringe, just want to, eh, you know, but then talk to him on the phone, he sounds fine, you know, and so I, 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 that's why we don't allow you know, racial discussions, because things just get lost in translation, and it comes across a lot worse than you'd ever imagine. And, and it's a sports message board. And, you know, I'll, a lot of these things do, you know, cross over. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it, you know, you, you want to have a conversation about that subject. You need to go have a conversation. Uh, stop 
the written word on it because things just get totally out of whack. Anyway, thanks for your email, George. I really appreciate that. And certainly um, appreciate all of you for listening and uh, enjoy this national championship. And, you know, you've got uh, got some baseball this week. We play North North Carolina on Wednesday. Charlotte. Uh Uh-oh. How's that going to go, folks? Um, And then uh, the spring football game's coming up. And so it's a – Exciting time. Uh, I think that the dead period for basketball ends in two days. So there should be some some working out with that, too. And I apologize that my dog got out of his room. And uh, he's if you've heard that, the tapping, that's been him. He, he loves to come in here. And I think, at least because he hears my voice, maybe he'll dance around and uh, move his bed and all that. But uh, not sure why he got out of the room, but he did. Sorry about that. All right, folks, I'll talk to you soon inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert signing off.